Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of our Blimey Cast. This is the 20th episode, and in this one, I'm going to continue with the reading activity, and later on, I will feed you with more vocabulary. Yes, because now you enter into the Blimey Cast mode. Because when you're listening to a podcast, in this case, to Blimey Cast, you can start noticing that something different in the air, don't you? Because now you can do other things while learning English because you can listen to the podcast and you can also do other things, right? I warn you if you're driving or if you're doing some other activity that requires your attention, be careful because <laughs> you should definitely be focused on that. But if you're able to do so, if you're able to do more than one activity at the same time. So this is just perfect for you. And I will continue with this story called The Little Door by Josh Radwell. And if reading mystery and suspense books is your cup of tea, you're going to like this one. So don't forget that at the end, I will give you more vocabulary related to the book. And then you can expand your abilities when speaking, because that's the whole purpose, isn't it? To improve your speaking abilities, even with reading practice. Okay, let's get started with this one. You're listening to Blimey Cast. If you like my content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey English, for more. Hello again. And welcome back to Blimey English. Today, we are going to continue to our speaking journey in seeking to improve our speaking abilities with reading techniques. In the last video, I started reading a book, book from Josh Radwell. It's a suspense, a mysterious book. And today, we are going to continue with that. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to read with you the book and then... After it, I'll go back and check for the words' meanings, the words that I will mark when I'm reading. Okay, so ready? Let's get started. Okay, let's go back reading. So this is where we stopped last time. I'm just going to reread the last paragraph so you can be aware of what we are doing here, right? Okay. Somewhere in the walls, somewhere through the pipes, wherever they lead, I heard that deep, guttural, growling sound, like an empty belly roiling away on the acid and bile. And it sounded for a moment like something in the walls was begging to be fed. Nonsense, I'm sure you're thinking, but you weren't there. You didn't hear the way the water sounded, like the something was gulping it up when it ran down the drain when I pulled the plug. Nonsense, you tell me. Nonsense, Henry. You're batshit crazy. You'd tell me it's just the pipes, just the house settling. And you know what? Sure, right then. I'd have believed you. And I'm sure you'd have believed yourself too. Even though I'm certain you'd also have been standing there naked, dripping onto the tiles, wondering if something was about to break through the walls and devour your hole. But that's just nonsense. I told myself so. 
I believed it. After my bath on the second day, after breakfast, cereal and milk, I dressed into a pair of jeans and an old grey shirt I hadn't worn in years, but took anyway because I couldn't be bothered unpacking the bedroom boxes right then. And I decided to go for a walk. I needed food. I needed to find the supermarket, if there even was one in this town. It's hard to judge a town you know nothing about, but I was judging it the minute I stepped outside, because on Google Maps I was told the nearest supermarket was a good 20-minute drive. Google suggested I settle for the local grocer, which looked tiny on the map and must have been independently owned, because it was called Joe's Grocery. Because, of course, it was. I decided to walk. It was a nice enough day for a walk. The sun was behind the clouds and the sky grey, but at least it wasn't hot. I pulled the front door closed behind me and forgot immediately about the knocking on the small door at the end of the hall. It was nearing 9am when I left, but out of politeness I decided not to call the real estate agent right away. I mean, at least let them walk through the door. My house, the house on Cheshire Street, stood alone as I turned to look at it from the top of the driveway. In this daylight, it seemed older, and the shingling seemed dirtier, and the paint seemed more weather-worn. I didn't castle much above all that. I had all the time I needed to find a job and to settle in and to repair these small things. I watched the house in the silence. I waited. I don't know what for, a knock maybe, or for it to call me back inside, for something to erupt through the door. When nothing came and my heart decided to calm down, I shook my head and told myself I was being an idiot. Old houses aren't always haunted, but that was definitely the thought at the forefront of my mind. It's just the pipes, I told myself, repeating Wendy's words. Just the pipes. In the coming days, it became something of a mantra. It was an old town, filled with old buildings and old people. As I made my way through the streets, it was hard to it was hard not to notice how the trees gradually seemed to grow more and more grey with each corner I turned, as if somehow the colour were being leached from their foliage by something hungry in the grey skies above, and branches hung cooked as if hacked by axemen invisible to the eye or else hiding in the air. And where storefronts should have been bright and welcoming, instead, every window was dusty, and every cornice was rotting, and every awning, rather than bright stripes or charming designs, were instead ripped, and the fabric seemed to be clinging unless it be torn away by the wind. There were potholes in the roads, green things grew underneath, and uprooted the concrete slabs of the sidewalks. Streetlights were dusty, or the bulbs were shattered, or spiders 
weaved their webs in the arches. Ravens were nesting in gutters. And as I walked, reader, the thing that was most worrisome about this town was not that it seemed abandoned by who or what I could not have been sure or decrepit or broken. No, what was most worrisome about this little town was that the people themselves seemed as grey as the sky and as lifeless as these trees and as empty as the streets they walked. Every one I passed seemed thin, their skin pulled tight against their bones and their eyes. Even the kids, the babies, seemed dark and hollow. They looked without colour, they were empty inside. That much I knew. Why? I could have said. Not then. They looked hungry, they looked lost. Even the ones who walked with direction and with purpose seemed to move sluggishly. And when they reached their destination, they only half-heartedly knocked or pulled open the door, as if, having arrived, they regretted arriving in the first place. I stopped what I was doing and found a place on an old bench that might well have been infested with termites. I'm not kidding when I say that the park behind where I sat was dry and brown and there were two kids there sitting among the litter, rolling a ball between them, their motions fluid and predetermined but somehow almost ritualistic, as if they had no choice but to keep sitting there, rolling the ball that collected more dirt and grime as it passed between them. I turned away from the kids. I looked at the street ahead. A woman passed, looked at me. I smiled at her, but she only stared, then turned back to face the road. Then she was gone, leaving a tray of bird seed behind her. It took a second to figure out why, but her shopping bag was torn, and following close behind were the ravens, one of which must have pecked at the bag to begin with, ripping it open. Two school kids passed a little while later, a boy and a girl. It must have been five minutes of staring at nothing when they did, and though they both smiled, their teeth were yellow and their faces were gaunt and they looked hungry, starved. Hey, I said, trying not to sound agitated or concerned. Hey, what's wrong with everyone? They paused together and they turned together. The girl, her hair in two pigtails, said, What you mean, mister? Yeah, the boy said. He had dust on his nose. Nothing wrong here, the girl said. We're just waiting, is all. Then they smiled, turned and walked away. I passed a small hardware store before I got to the grocer. Down one of the aisles, I found what I was looking for, a crowbar. It would be handy, I thought, for prying open the door at the end of the hall. I took it and felt its weight in my hand. The man behind the register was old, his arms long and thin and bony, his skin sagging, his hair salt and pepper, his breathing 
breezy. The old man didn't look at me as he scanned it through, took my money and handed me the change. I said, thanks, and he grunted in reply as I made my way to the door, but not once did he take his eyes, empty, empty, empty eyes, away from a ceramic plate on which a knife and a fork sat, all covered in something that looked like dark, a dried up red paint. Crowbar in hand, and that was sure to make me look like a threat, I wandered the street again, following Google Maps as it directed me towards Joe's grocery. When I got there, it was as dull and glum as the rest of the street, and the streets before, the sign which read Joe Grocery, because the letters were faded beyond view, hung on an angle, and looked like it would fall on my head if I tried crossing underneath. A bell rang above as I entered, a small brass thing. Its chime sank through the place. There were a few people already inside, carrying baskets stocked with things. A woman with a basket filled with bottles of water, cutlery, paper plates, a man with a basket in which sat a bag of salt. I saw all this, but they were standing there, mindlessly staring at the shelves, reading boxes. They may as well have been standing there with their jaws hung open, drool drizzling down their lips, skin green, black and rotting, because most of them were practically zombies, just staring. I took a basket, I walked the aisles. I filled it with a box of cereal, a block of cheese, a loaf of bread, a tub of butter, a package of ham, a bottle of milk, some carrots, some potatoes, some pasta, a jar of tomato sauce, salt, pepper, a chocolate bar. Enough for the day, for the next few nights, until everything was settled and I could really shop. Hello. I said, placing the basket on the bench by the cashier. How are you? You'd almost think I wasn't fleeing an empty house, an empty life, parentless. The cashier said nothing. His name tag was faded. I couldn't make out his name. M-H-L... Michael, is it? Michael, is it? I tried. Mitchell? The cashier looked up at me. He had been staring at an empty lunchbox beside him, stained. It looked like rust, and he said, Welcome to town. And he bared his teeth, which were yellow and black, and looked like they belonged to a heavy smoker. Thanks. You'll feel right at home soon, he said. I'm sure I will. Church will pay you a visit. You let them in? I, um... Uh... I'm not religious. No, I didn't want to alienate myself. Could I get a bag? The cashier reached for a bag underneath him, pulled up a paper one. Free, he said. Thanks. He scanned and stacked my items carefully, his hands shaking as he did. Welcome to town, said the cashier again. You'll feel right at home soon. I passed the church on the way back to the house. Compared to the rest of the buildings in town, the church may well have been the town hall, the centerpiece. 
if set side by side the rest of the buildings, which it wasn't because the church stood on its own block of land, on a slight rise, an inclined set of steps leading to the tall, wide oak doors with studs on the front. The church would look to be the prize of this otherwise dump of a town. Gnarled trees, grey, hung low over the baronial building, which seemed to creak as if under pressure from a wind that was not blowing. The heavy oak doors, I noticed them first, were opened slightly, and I watched several people climb the steps and disappear inside, though I could see nothing else. Above the doors, inside a notch, topped with a spire and a cross, was a stained glass window, casting an eerie glow onto the steps below them all, and the light must have somehow been coming from inside. Blues and purples and yellows and reds and greens drenched the pale grey churchgoers as they made their way inside to pray or whatever it was they were doing at the hour. I noticed, no, it, yes, it was, I saw, climbing the steps, Wendy, the real estate agent. She was wearing pants and a shirt, flat shoes, her hair tied up in a bun behind her head. She was the last to enter, and I watched, and she turned around to pull the church doors closed, and as she did, she caught my eye, and I caught hers. And she looked at me, kept her face plain, and looked a moment longer, then pulled the door shut. At the base of the steps, I noticed the sign. It looked a bit like a large gravestone at first, rounded and made from a greystone. On it, a brass plaque read, Church of the Old God, all are welcome. All will receive his nourishment. I got home a little before eleven. I put away the food, made a ham and cheese sandwich. I unpacked. I started with the living room, set it all up, plugged in the TV. I unpacked my clothes, hung them in the wardrobe. At 1pm, I called Wendy. The phone rang twice, shrill in my ear. She picked up before it rang a third time. Hello, she said. Parker Real Estate, this is Wendy, how may I help you? Is what she ought to have said, but she didn't. Maybe she had my number in her phone, maybe she was tired. Wendy, hi, I said. It's Henry. The house on Cheshire Street? Yes. Is there something in the water? I asked. Wendy was silent on the other line for a moment, then said, Excuse me? It's just, everyone is all... Never mind. Look, I'm calling because of the door. The door? The one at the end of the hall? I've no idea what you're talking about. There's a door at the end of the hall, a tiny door. It's not on the blueprints. I never saw a tiny door. Right, okay, well, sorry to bother you. Is that all? Yes. We will not represent the house anymore. Don't call back. Wendy hung up. All right, that was a good one, wasn't it? So we will 
finish the book in other videos, right? This one was just another one because I cannot read everything here, right? We don't have that time. So let's get to the words and expressions I've marked so we can understand the meaning of them, right? The first one is this, gulping. Remember the phrase back in the book? The sentence was, something was gulping it up, the water, right? Something was gulping the water up, right? To gulp means to eat or to drink food or liquid quickly by swallowing in it, swallowing it in large amounts or to make a swallowing movement because of fear, surprise or excitement. So it can be two things, right? The first one would just to drink or to eat something quickly like and the second meaning would be to do that movement, that swallowing movement because of fear, surprise or excitement, right? And I'll give you one more example. She gulped down her drink and made a hasty exit. So she gulped down her drink and made a hasty exit. The next one, driveway, driveway. The sentence back in the book was, look at it from the top of the driveway look at it from the top of the driveway so driveway is a short private road that leads from a public road to a house or a garage right in the uk you can also see this one as simply drive right driveway or drive both are correct and i'll give you one example i parked the car in the drive or in the driveway Right? Let's go see the next one. Weather-worn. Weather-worn. Remember the phrase back in the book? It was, the paint seemed more weather-worn. The paint seemed more weather-worn. So weather-worn means eroded or altered by being exposed to the weather. See? If something is exposed to the weather for a long time, probably we will get weather worn right and i give you one other example the walls of the building looked weather worn next one erupt erupt the sentence back in the book was i waited for something to erupt through the door i waited for something to erupt through the door so to erupt means to start suddenly and violently it was it's what happens with a volcano, for example. It explodes, making flames and rocks come out of it, right? But in that case of the book, it just means something to start suddenly and violently, right? And I'll give you another example. At the end of a hot summer, violence erupted in the city. It means it started suddenly and violently. Next one. Leached. Leached. Back in the book, the sentence was, the colors were being leached from them by something hungry in the skies above. The colors were being leached from them by something hungry in the skies above. So to leach, so a leech is a type of worm that lives in wet places and fastens, it attaches itself onto your body or humans' bodies or animals' bodies to feed on their blood, to suck their blood, right? So if something is leaching, something is sucking um, a substance, for example, in that case, the colors 
appeared to be leached from the the things right the things were getting without color and i'll give you another example the energy was being leached from their bodies next one corners corners the sentence back in the book was every corners was rotting and rotting was another word that i marked Cornice is a decorative border of wood or stone at the edge of the ceiling of a room or under the roof of a building, right? The corners, those decorated corners, that would be the corners. And to rot is to cause something to decay or to weaken. To weaken means to get weak, right? I'll give you two examples. The first one is the corners of the palace was built of pure gold. And the other example, the wooden stair was rotting. Okay, next one. Potholes. Potholes. There were potholes in the roads. A pothole is a hole in the road surface that results from gradual damage caused by traffic, heavy traffic or weather. And I give you one other example. The car's suspension is so good that when you hit a pothole, you hardly notice. Next one, slabs. So remember the sentence back in the book? The concrete slabs of the sidewalks. So slab is a thick, flat piece of a solid substance, such as stone, wood, metal, food, etc., that is usually square or rectangular. So in that case, imagine the sidewalks. So sidewalks in British English is also called pavement, right? The pavement, that part uh, on which you walk, right? On the streets. So the slabs of the sidewalks, the corners, right? That flat pieces uh, making and giving form to the sidewalks, right? And I give you another example. The shelves were made of marble slabs. Next one, shattered, shattered. Remember the sentence back in the book? It was, the light bulbs were shattered. And shattered means broken into very small pieces, many small pieces. And I give you another example. The camera fell on the ground and then it was shattered. Next one, weaved weaved back in the book the sentence was spiders weaved their webs to weave something means to make a cloth by repeatedly crossing a single thread over the others right you go weaving until you have a cloth of something right and i give you another example it takes great skill to weave a basket out of bamboo you know those bamboo baskets? So they are weaved like this, right? It takes a great skill to do that. Next one, hollow. The sentence back in the book was, they seemed dark and hollow. Hollow means something having a hole or empty space inside. And I give you another example. Bamboo is a type of plant with a hollow structure, right? Next one, sluggishly sluggishly the sentence back in the book was seemed to move sluggishly seemed to move sluggishly so sluggishly means in a way that is moving 
or operating more slowly than usual and with less energy or power. And I give you another example. The band played sluggishly and appeared bored. Next one. Termites. Termites. The sentence back in the book was infested with termites. Infested with termites. Termite is a small tropical insect that eats wood. You know that one? How is it called in your country? I give you another example. The wooden bed frame was full of termites. Next one. Pecked. Pecked. The phrase, the sentence back in the book was, one of the ravens must have pecked at the bag. One of the ravens must have pecked at the bag. So to peck is when a bird bites or hits or picks up something using its beak. Right? And I give you another example. Chickens pecked at the seeds which covered the ground. Next one. The next word I marked was gaunt. Gaunt. And the sentence back in the book was their faces were gaunt. So gaunt means very thin, especially because of sickness or hunger, not attractive. And I give you another example. Her face was gaunt and grey. Next one. Prying. Prying. So back in the book, the sentence was, it would be handy for prying open the door. It would be handy for prying open the door. So to pry means to move or to lift something by pressing a tool against a fixed point. You, it's like to make a lever, to move something, making a lever, right? And I give you another example. The car trunk had been pried open and all her equipment was gone. Next one. Wheezy. Wheezy. Back in the book, the sentence was, he's breathing wheezy. He's breathing wheezy. So wheezy means to make a high, rough sound while breathing because of some breathing difficulty. Like this. <sighs> You know, when you, you know, when you run and you might have some difficulties to breathe after it. So you'd be like, <sighs> that is to be wheezy. And I give you another example. He took a few wheezy breaths. That's it. The next one, brass, brass, brass. The phrase back in the book was a small brass thing. A small brass thing. So brass is a bright yellow metal made from copper and zinc. That is what brass means. And I give you another example. The door handles were made of brass. The next one. Studs. Studs. The phrase back the book was with studs on the front with studs on the front. A stud, in this context, is any of the vertical wood of metal posts used to make the frame of a wall. And I give you another example. The studs that hold the roof. The studs that hold the roof. 
Next one, nald, nald. So this one is a bit tricky, isn't it? Because we don't pronounce that G. So it's not gnald. We simply say nald, nald. So back in the book, the expression was gnald trees. So gnald means rough and twisted in shape, especially because of old age or no protection from bad weather. So the trees were gnarled, right? And I'll give you another example. Those trees looked all gnarled. That would be the meaning of it. Another one, baronial, baronial. Back in the book, the expression, the sentence was the baronial building. So baronial means very large, grand, impressive. And I give you another example. There was a baronial mansion there in the past. And the last word is this one. Eerie. Eerie. Remember the sentence back in the book? It said, an eerie glow onto the steps. An eerie glow onto the steps. So eerie means strange in a frightening and mysterious way. And I give you another example. She heard the eerie noise of the wind howling through the trees. She heard the eerie noise of the wind howling through the trees. Okay, that's it. I hope this one has also helped you improving your speaking abilities through reading. In this case, we are augmenting, strengthening our vocabulary, right? That's it for me now, and I'll see you in the next videos. Cheers! You've listened to Blimey Cast. For more content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey.